Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, I'm Gianna Volpe on January 13th, 2023. Tara Smith reporting on the Suffolk Times website, SuffolkTimes.com, that a movie house that's nearly a century old has hit the market in Greenport. The historic Greenport Theater at 211 Front Street was listed for $5.5 million with John Cantrembone of Daring Harbor Real Estate earlier this week. A real estate listing also notes that the property is being offered for sale or long-term lease. It's been owned since 2004 by Josh Sapin, who recently stepped down from his role as CEO at AMC Networks. The original building dates back to 1915, and an earlier theater was destroyed by the Great New England Hurricane in 38. It was rebuilt the following year by Prudential Theaters and designed by John Eberson, an architect renowned for his movie palace designs. Over time, the single-screen cinema was turned into a multiplex with 632 seats across four uh, theaters. Uh, It looks like it's being looked at by Tony Spiridakis, Uh, Among those with fond memories of uh, the Greenport Theater, it's the first place he said he ever saw a movie, though he can't remember the exact title. The experience clearly stuck with him as Mr. Spiridakis works as a filmmaker and 12 years ago founded the Manhattan Film Institute with his partner, Lisa Gillooly. While Mr. Sapin typically operated the theater daily at the height of the summer tourist season, Mr. Spiridakis and Ms. Gillooly helped kickstart a winter film series in 2019 after funding repairs to a broken boiler system that enabled them to heat the theater. Now he's hoping to be its next steward. And in in an interview with the Suffolk Times on Thursday, Mr. Spiridakis said Mr. Sapin has given him, quote, an amazing opportunity to help save the theater if he can form a new nonprofit, assemble a board, and raise a million dollars for a new Cultural Arts Center. A donor has already pledged $150,000. And it looks like if you'd like to help save the theater or you want more information, you can go to nofoartscenter.org. We're going to have to have Tony on to follow up on that story. Looking at Long Island as a whole now, Michael O'Keefe reporting on Newsday.com that major crimes increased 41% in Nassau County and 15% in Suffolk last year uh, compared to 2021. Spike's uh, top law enforcement officials said were fueled by a dramatic increase in property crimes. Uh, Newly released statistics provided to Newsday by them show there were 7,394 crimes recorded in Nassau County compared to 5,228 in 2021. Uh, That looks like here in Suffolk, 17,132 crimes compared to uh, 15,132 the previous year in 2021. Uh, Suffolk Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison and Nassau Police Commissioner Patrick Ryder told Newsday in separate exclusive interviews that a major increase in property crimes like grand larceny, vehicle thefts, and burglaries were to blame for the increase in over in the overall crime rate. But both of them said they were also encouraged to find their department's 
made gains against violent crime in 2022 by analyzing intelligence to determine who was committing the crimes and where and when they were likely to hit again. Quote, there's a message out there that crime is on the rise, and that's true, Ryder said, uh, while also pointing to statistics that show violent crimes in the county were down, including murder, which the commissioner said was at its lowest rate in 63 years uh, in 2022. Uh, Commissioner Harrison here in Suffolk County blames spikes in property crime as the culprit. Uh, He said the county experienced a big spike in retail thefts. I'm not going to make excuses, Harrison said. We have to do better. We are going to do better. The drop in murders uh, across Long Island appears to mirror a national uh, decline. The FBI does not have numbers available for 2022, but AH Datalytics, a research firm that specializes in criminal justice issues, reported there were 8,888 murders nationwide in 2022, and that's a 5% drop from 2021, a mid-year survey of 70 agencies by the major cities' chief association found that murders fell 2.4% during the uh, first six months of the year. The commissioners said they were encouraged by other crime indicators, including declines in shootings and fatal and non-fatal drug overdoses. Both fatal and non-fatal drug uh, non-fatal overdoses increased in recent years due to stresses caused by the coronavirus pandemic which leads us to our uh, final news item also from Newsday and also from Michael O'Keefe that Suffolk County has begun distributing $25 million to drug treatment providers, community groups, and government agencies for programs designed to combat the opioid epidemic that has claimed thousands of lives across the island since the late 90s. The funds are part of the approximately $200 million the county is expect to receive over the next two decades from the settlement of the landmark lawsuit it filed against opioid manufacturers and distributors, according to Steve Ballone, who was joined by treatment providers, public health officials, and county legislators during a news conference in Hopog. Quote, we are dedicated to the idea that these funds will go towards helping those individuals and families who have suffered These funds will go toward ending the opioid epidemic once and for all, every single dollar. That's our commitment. The county in July issued a request for grant proposals for programs promoting drug prevention, harm reduction, treatment, and recovery. Malone said the county received 111 applications. A review committee approved 37 of them for the three-year grants submitted by 34 Organizations. The recipients include government agencies uh, such as the Town of Smithtown, Horizon Counseling, and Education Center, and treatment providers such as the Family and Children's Association and the Long Island Council on Alcoholism and Drug, Inde- uh, Drug Dependence. The committee that selected the recipients also recommended an additional appropriation of $11 million for capital projects. Uh, those funds will be distributed to Catholic Health's St. Charles Hospital, Northwell's John T. Mather Memorial Hospital, Phoenix Houses of Long Island, and the uh, Town of Babylon's Beacon Family Wellness Center. Thomas's Hope Foundation of Holtzville, which connects people struggling with addiction to treatment programs and provides support to families, 
received a $265,000 grant that it will use to expand staff outreach to the homeless community, transportation, and other services. Let's see. I think I'm going to look at the weather right here in Southampton. We're going to have um, Minerva Perez joining us to talk about uh, another epidemic, which is the dearth of reported sexual crimes uh, as it refers to underage kids, particularly here uh, on the east end of Long Island. Ola of Eastern Long Island has released a survey to try to alleviate some of the roadblocks to reporting such crimes. So please do stay tuned for that at the bottom of this hour. As far as the weather, it looks like the showers that began yesterday will be continuing, uh, maybe even a thunderstorm before 1 today, and a slight chance of showers between 1 and 4, temperatures falling to around 49 degrees by 5 p.m. today, breezy with a south wind 16 to 21 miles per hour, decreasing in the afternoon, though winds could gust as high as 38 miles per hour, mostly cloudy tonight with a low around 33 degrees North wind, 7 to 10 miles per hour. Right now, it's 50 degrees and very lightly drizzling. Getting to the um, the playlist this morning, we are going to have Cleus Brondal and Christina Strassfield of Southampton Arts Center joining us at the bottom of the next hour to talk about um, an, an upcoming show at the Southampton Arts Center, the Dahoud Salim Quintet will be playing there. Uh, we do have a nice track, Need to Know, from them all lined up. So this will be the Need edition. I think it fits in very nicely with the topics we've got. Uh, and Garid Drake, an, art, an artist I'd never heard before putting together today's playlist. Uh, you'll hear Need Me from... Uh, their ghost record of 2017, followed by the revivalists and John Batiste. But first, here's Collective Soul. This is Needs from the Dosage Record of 1999, right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. See what weakness is made Too much tomorrow I think I'll take all today Am I a poison? Am I a thorn in the side? Am I a picture? Perfect subject tonight And I don't need nobody And I don't need the weight of words to on through I don't need nobody I just need to learn the doubt for doubt a babe to fall into
Savior I save Am I a prison? Am I a source of bad news? Am I a picture? Perfect reason for you I don't need nobody I don't need the weight of words To find a way to crash on You're listening to WLIWFM, NPR Radio. It's four in the morning, there's no one to call. 
to lead us into the bottom of the nine o'clock hour this Friday morning, a little after midnight, if you're listening to the replay, and our Friday morning tea underwritten by Village Overhead Doors, guested by the one and only Minerva Perez of uh, Ola of Eastern Long Island to talk about a very important survey that uh, the organization is hosting right now designed to dissipate, dissipate the roadblocks that currently exist uh, for those under 18 as far as uh, reporting sexual crimes is concerned. Um, this is a horrific thing, uh, no matter what age you are, but very grateful to you, Minerva, and to the organization uh, for doing this work and trying uh, to figure out a way to help kids uh get through the hell and the horror uh, that is uh, 
sexual abuse and to navigate that, I did want to give a quick nod to the Child Advocacy Center in Riverhead that opened just this past year designed uh, specifically to help uh, kids through these things. I don't know if, if you've had connections with them, but I'm sure they must be very interested in this survey. Good morning, Gianna, and thank you so much for having me on to talk about this subject, which certainly is not an easy one. Uh, right. It's one that we've been involved with now for a good five years. Um, certainly my work uh, before this, uh, yes. you know, running a domestic violence shelter, there's a fair amount that, that I saw and dealt with, but uh, it was just at a different, in a different way when I joined OLA, uh, just kind of watching specifically immigrant families trying to navigate this space um, and, and children. Um, but along the way, there are many non-Latino families that I've also worked with, and, um, and it's just a very difficult space for, right. for the child themselves and, of course, for the family uh, trying to either do what they think is right, which sometimes is not what allows the child to heal, um, if, it, if it includes sort of not reporting or, or trying to handle it themselves and, and not really showing this, this young person that there's full accountability, whatever that looks like. Um, so these are spaces that are difficult to navigate and people need help. And right. they need help from organizations. We've got some great organizations out there like the Retreat, Vibes. Um, the Child Advocacy Center is definitely an organization that we've been in contact with. Oh, great. Uh, before we actually came to finally doing this survey, we first made sure to reach out to all of the domestic violence and sexual assault agencies across the island to understand what their experiences had been. You know, what were they seeing some of the same roadblocks? Were they seeing some of the same difficulties in navigating some of these processes? And the answer was yes. Right. Um, and so then we also asked those same agencies right now in terms of that level of advocacy or what do you think are some of the next steps? And what we learned from them was that what we're doing with this right now really isn't being done. And what we're doing with this right now can lead to a space where some of these processes are um, potentially easier to navigate. And the more, more and more that we put in the hands of our survivors, uh, you know, that the word victim and survivor to me mean kind of two different things. Uh, because in a moment that someone's experiencing something, we can't be calling them a survivor. You know, so we've got victims out there, and we've got survivors, and we've got their families and their allies, and we have made this. Survey, um, with the help of survivors um, and mental health professionals, uh, we crafted this survey so that we could learn not about the incident itself, because we're not asking anyone to relive that, whether they're the ally or the survivor themselves. This is about what was that process like for you? If you did not report, why not? Right. If you did report, how did that go? How did that go with your family? How did that go with law enforcement? How did that go with the DA? And what are your suggestions for either making it better or if it was great, please explain why. Are you on the road to healing? If yes, why? If not, why? We really want to understand um, what, what this process is for those folks who are going through it. And we also understand a very important point is that even if it's an ally filling out the survey, if that ally experienced something that didn't go well, they take that with them. They're going to be much less likely to report their own sexual assault or sexual abuse. And, and tell friends that, oh, gosh, don't do that because your family will disown you, or don't do that because, because the process with law enforcement is too difficult, or don't do that because the DA will you know, just do X, Y, Z. 
Um, and these are things that we need to flush out. We need to understand what holds anyone back and what what inadvertently pushes people out of a process because they feel that it's too overwhelming. Right. And Because um, ultimately, accountability doesn't look like someone has to go behind bars all the time. Because a lot of times in these crimes, in the penal code of New York State, they're not going to go behind bars. But if they go that full process and, and the, everything happens the way it should happen, and even if it's a much lesser crime or a plea deal. I've talked to victims who feel absolutely great about that because they were heard and they know that the best that could happen happened. The most that could happen happened. And that is the way to healing. And it helps prevent it from happening to to someone else. Um, folks, your feedback is paramount in this stuff. Yes. It's, it's a very difficult subject, uh, but this could help change uh, the game and and that's why I reiterate my gratitude uh, for this existing and I appreciate the distinction you made between uh, victim and and survivor and I, I did want to uh, just highlight as far as a need for this survey existing I think I saw the statistics there saying something like nationally uh, we're looking at twenty percent or less as far as reporting these things, but that uh, translated to something like half a percent out here on the East End. Was I reading that right, Minerva? Yeah, so what we did in in advance of putting the survey together, uh, and by the way, the survey is in English and Spanish. It's the exact same survey, um, but we wanted to make sure that uh, definitely people that are English speakers and English-only speakers, we want at least... English speakers and Spanish speakers to feel fully confident in filling out the survey. Um, and so in terms of the, the statistics, what we did is we spent a lot of time uh, foiling all 11 police departments, and I say 11 because we included this, the state troopers in our, in our grouping uh, because someone could go there to report uh, this type of crime. And we, we uh, have not yet gotten back the statistics from the troopers, so we're still working on that. Um, which is not not good, uh, but we'll we'll keep working. Um, the the rest of our ten East End police departments absolutely got back to us right away, and uh, and the thing about it is the it's being tracked differently. So I think it's potentially skewing some of these numbers, and so I want to I want to at least give the benefit of the doubt in that way. But that's what's leading us to our next steps. Our next steps are not trying to boil all the police departments down, certainly not uh, to one police department, but at least to recognize that having ten different police departments that do things slightly differently uh, mean that some of these processes are a little bit different. The way we track the data of who walks into a police department or who calls 911 or who tells their teacher and therefore it's a mandated report situation and the police get involved, how many times or when does a person say, I was sexually assaulted. I'm under 18, and I think I was sexually assaulted. It could be a suspected sexual assault, which is the, what we asked for. We didn't ask for who, when, you know, what was um, <clears throat> when someone was arrested, or when it went the full the full distance in terms of the justice system. But just what suspected sexual assaults of minors um, were reported, <clears throat> and the, the the fear that we have is that there's just too many inconsistencies with how that is reported. Mm -hmm. And if and if that person, if that young person is uh, deciding that they don't want to go forward with the charges or the parents decide that, you know what, they, they don't want to go forward, um, 
then is that not counted or counted? And what we have to see is that it's important that we are tracking that. You can't you can't look at a problem when you when you can't even track the problem. You know, right. you you can wait till it walks in the door and it, and it looks like and smells like and seems like and has everything perfectly there to pursue, but you, we can't wait until that to call that suspected sexual assault reporting. Right. So that's kind of leading us to some of our next steps, which are looking at all the best practices, which are which we pulled from law enforcement. Our law enforcement gave us their their protocol, their policies. We poured over all that, and we are looking at that and looking at a couple different uh, practices and protocols that we're seeing elsewhere but nearby and looking at what if we put them all together and what would be, and this is, this is for a conversation for law enforcement. So we're certainly not saying, hey, we think this is great. Right. That would be but but maybe, maybe um, suggesting be, some, yeah. some standards, standardization and best practice to change the game there. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. anyone who knows anything about this stuff knows that this is a, a section of uh, a crime that across the board could really uh, – use some uh, change in coming years. Um, it's it is. Re- it's it, really it is. And, and a lot of areas of these crimes, of the, these 130 crimes in the penal code anyway, are, um, are not even what everyone understands to be a crime, like right. forcible touching or different types of right. things. I do want to stress the fact that we do have a lot of great practices across our East End. The issue for an advocate, and not just OLA, but the retreat or any other organization, is that we need to be able to help guide the family and, and, and the victim, the survivor at that moment, to be able to say, okay, these are some of the next, next basic process steps. Um, all the rest of it is very detailed and, 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 and specific about the crime itself and the person and the family and the, and the situation, but there are going to be some basic steps that we can help guide on when we know they're pretty consistent. So mm-hmm. the next step here is a conversation with law enforcement, which we've already started. We're sitting down and, and setting up meetings and doing what we normally do. Um, so that, that's going to happen. So thing will happen next on that until we're all talking. And, and there's a big conversation about what we're getting and also what we're getting from the survey. The survey is going to be an important part to uh, sort of inform uh, what are some things that are coming out, you know, and, and does this make sense to um, to find a way to incorporate it? Was it just an, a singular incident, you know, or was it something that we're seeing more consistently with a difficulty or, or a, a, a difficulty in some part of the process for the survivor and their family? So we're just going to be looking at it very deeply. It's taken us, you know, almost five years to get to this point. So right. we're not moving with fast, quick motions for any other reason than to look at making these processes better for survivors and their families. Super important work. And just a tip of the hat out there to all the law enforcement uh, professionals who um, handle these cases and these people uh, with kindness and extreme sensitivity because uh, reporting this these particular crimes is incredibly difficult. And when it comes to uh, memory... And, and and details, sometimes that can take time to come upon. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of confusion and and things that in, in, in other uh, instances might lead an inf- a law enforcement official to to raise a red flag as far as the person at, that's reporting information to them. But uh, when it comes to memory, 
and it comes to this type of crime, sometimes it takes time for the memories to even come back uh, to the person. So, 100%. That, that's why the, the, the extension of the statute of limitations has been so critical in this, uh, because it's allowing people that have been sexually assaulted or abused when they were underage um, to report as a crime a lot later in their life. It depends on the scenarios and the type of the, the, the crime, but it could be up to 23 or so or more. You can read up on that, but it's really specific to a few different things, but they've extended it. It used to be not much more time after 18 wow. that you had. Um, and I think exactly what you're saying is probably part of the reason because they're realizing that some of those memories don't crystallize and you're not able to get to them until later, until right. you're safe, until you've kind of started your healing journey. And, uh, and it's important that a crime can still be reported uh, because a crime happened. Right. And, 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 and sadly, when the memories do come back sometimes, then they will not go away. And that's uh, sometimes the person needs, uh, needs to be able to pursue it in order to, to find healing, at least pursue it in some way. Anyway, uh, critically important work. And uh, uh, we've got uh, the revivalist Need You from the Men Amongst Mountains. Ola uh, needs you out there uh, to try to help them to better uh, the re- the reporting practices and uh, also the reporting numbers and to help uh, folks out there um, navigate through this incredibly difficult topic of uh, sexual abuse, particularly uh, particularly as it pertains to uh, minors. Uh, thank you, Minerva. Where can people go to find well, the survey? Thank you for saying that. Yeah, for asking that. Um, so there's a Blue Phoenix, and we're, there are going to be links connected to that, either English or Spanish, and you're going to be seeing that more and more. You can certainly go uh, to Ola's website, which is olaofeasternlongisland.org, and you can also go to our Facebook page, but we're going to be trying to get that out in the papers as well. A Blue Phoenix um, with a QR code, one for English and a separate one for Spanish, that the exact same survey. Gianna, thank you so much for this attention uh, on this topic. I really appreciate it. We all appreciate it. Survivors and the families out there appreciate it. Um, let's just make sure we can build a stronger and, and, and safer process for everyone to feel that they can come forward and, and families can be supportive. We need families to understand the importance of supporting reporting. Amen. And we will uh, continue this conversation here on the show uh, in the future. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Minerva Perez, Ola of EasternLongIsland.org, to find that incredibly important survey. This was the Friday Morning Tea underwritten by Village Overhead Doors. These are the revivalists. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, the weekday morning and midnight show at the heart of the East End. We'll be back.
down on the boulevard I couldn't wait to blow my own horn Ooh. It ain't wrong for you to play along Playing this song till you die Come on, come on In this world with a lot of problems All we need is a little love Thank you, thank you Oh, you make me thank you, thank you for little John Batiste. I need you from the We Are record of 2021. This is Architecture in Helsinki. Something a little different for you. Need to Shout from the In Case We Die record of 20, uh, 2005. I think I'll hop forward. I'm going to Bunny Hop past Dean Lewis, Need You Now, and G Love and Special Sauce, What We Need. After this, I'm going to play Ella Black's I Need a Dollar in honor of all of you out there who supported us during our most recent fun drive. I'm Jana Volpe. This is Architecture in Helsinki. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to WLIWFM, Long Island's only local NPR radio station. The heart of the East End. Shouting when 
My bunny hop function has been taken. And thus, Dean Lewis on WLIWFM.
studio computer. <laughs> All right. You know, it's true that uh, I usually only say bunny hop if I mean I'm going past one track. So uh, maybe the studio computer was right to challenge me on trying to bunny hop past two tracks. Here we go. Bunny hopping past G-Love and Special Sauce to play Aloe Blacks. I need a dollar from the Good Things record of 2010. Uh, we'll be going back to 59 out of the NPR news break. And after the local news update, let's play Mona Bo Diddley's I Need You Baby. Uh, New Foundations, Magic Sam, and the Sub Dudes after that. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLI, WFM 88.3 on your FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County, streaming online to wherever you are at WLIW.org slash radio. Maybe it's inside the bottle I had some good old buddies Names 